the reality of Pentecost in this service this morning. Um, I was praying for God. I says, Lord, just uh, sweep through, dem- demonstrate your presence today on this very special occasion. And um, the Holy Ghost is definitely in the house. So if it's a time that you've got a personal need, it's a good time to get that need when the Spirit of God is so prevalent. We had a great time of fellowship, those that was able to make it yesterday uh, at our annual picnic. We enjoyed ourselves and the fellowship. Amen. It was great. And um, Rodney mentioned we are trying to get a few things taken care of uh, ahead of our homecoming, and uh, uh, Brother Ricky, a few weeks back, agreed to uh, do some uh, painting for us outside. He came over, and in in the rain, he didn't let that stop him. He pressure washed, and it, I mean, it already looks 100% better, but he'll be coming back and repainting all of that and uh, uh, thanking him for him uh, uh, willing to help out. Uh, that way, and uh, um, we just praise the Lord. I am pleased. Uh, I was uh, surprised and pleased. I did, I w- there were two uh, that I wasn't expecting to see in service this morning. Number one, Sister Darlene, she had been so sick all week long, and a lot of prayers going up. She was not even able to make the outing yesterday, but... Um, uh, very late yesterday afternoon, um, uh, she uh, came and told me, says, you know, I'm beginning to feel a little bit better. This nausea is beginning to go away. And I said, well, praise the Lord. I said, just don't eat nothing. Just stay on those liquids and maybe you can be in service. So she's here this morning and I praise the Lord for that. <laughs> and uh, I've been praying for Sister Wanda, and uh, I was surprised to see her come in because I know that she has been sick. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. We appreciate, amen, uh, her being able to be with the, us today. We're going to get right into the message, and uh, I uh, uh, I won't have to worry about... Uh, spitting my teeth out this morning because they don't have any. I got about halfway here and I thought, oh no. Darlene says, what? I said, I forgot to put my teeth in. She cackled. I thought she was going to fall out of the seat and full board her car. But um, I guess certain things you have to deal with when you're older that you don't didn't have to worry about when you was younger. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. But uh, uh, I said, well, we'll just go on and we'll do, we're going to do, I'm going to be doing something real spiritual today anyway, swallowing my pride, hallelujah, glory to God, hallelujah. I'm going to be taking you to the book of Acts and we're going to read the first eight verses in Acts chapter 1. Then we're going to jump over to Acts chapter 19 and read two verses, the first two verses of Acts chapter 19. 
Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. <coughs> and this is what it reads like. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. And by the way, let me stop and say, everybody probably already know this anyway, but this is Luke doing the writing. Uh, he was a historian, and he traveled around with the apostle Paul and uh, he, it's because of him that we have the early account of the birthday of the church and how it spread. So uh, this is he writing here. He said, um, the former treaties I made, O Theophilus, that all Jesus began both to do and teach, and he was referring to the gospel of Luke that he had already written. He, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Then go with me, if you please, to the 19th chapter of the book of Acts, verse 1 and 2. And it happened while Apollos, Apollos was another early apostolic minister, Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Mighty God, as we come today, we come in honoring you, and we come in thankfulness and gratitude that we have been blessed to have received your word and your spirit. We joy in this what you have given, Lord. And we ask, God, that you will help us to continue to grow and to stay hungry for more of your word, more of your spirit. I pray, God, that you will speak to every soul today. Anoint me, help me to, in my humble way to declare your message that you have put upon my heart. 
and everything's accomplished. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. <coughs> Everybody here, just turn and look to the person that's closest to you and tell them, you don't know what you've been missing. That's what I'm going to preach about today, by the grace of God. You don't know what you've been missing. Now, you probably uh, figure out that this message today is primarily for everybody in the house who has not yet received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You may have uh, repented, come to the Lord. You may have been baptized. Uh, and you've been uh, going to church and, and living for him and uh, uh, enjoying your uh, experience that you have with God to this present time. But what we've been singing about and rejoicing about today, you may feel it on the outside but you don't have the fullness of it as yet on the inside. And today is Pentecost Sunday, and as Ronnie has mentioned this already, and to Christians, <clears throat> Pentecost Sunday is known for two things. First and foremost, it's known for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the first Pentecost after Jesus was resurrected. And it is also known as the birthday of the church. Uh, it's the day that Jesus fulfilled the scripture where he had told Peter and the apostles before he was crucified upon this rock, I will, future tense, build my church. And that began to transpire on that Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was one of the feast celebrations of ancient Israel, also known as Feast of Harvest or Feast of Weeks. Sometimes if you're reading in the Old Testament, you'll come across Feast of Harvest or Feast of Weeks. That is Pentecost. How we got the name Pentecost, it came 50 days after the Passover. And since the New Testament is written in Greek, it wasn't recorded when the Feast of Weeks had come, but the Greek word is Pentecost. And it simply means 50th day, or 50 days since the Passover. Now, in the process of revealing God's plan of salvation to mankind, God had established annual holy days around the harvest seasons in the Middle East. You'll find these listed in Leviticus and the book of Exodus. And just as his people harvested their crops around these three festivals, God's holy days show us how he is harvesting people 
for eternal life in his kingdom. This is what Jesus meant when he told them you would receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This power was not so we could shout, jump up and down, run the aisles and speak in tongues. But the power, this outpouring at Pentecost was to empower them to harvest souls around the world. Hallelujah. That is why he gave it to them. All through the Old Testament, as I said, all these feast celebrations, they were all around harvest time. For the people, there was always a joyous celebration. The people of Israel was always happiest around harvest time. And God is telling us symbolically in the Spirit, amen, when he gives us Pentecost, he said, now it's time for you to go out and reap. It's time for you to harvest. <coughs> what are we to harvest? We are to harvest souls. Now, bear with me. I'm trying to just lay this foundation here because I want everybody to have a good understanding of what we're talking about here today. Now, there's a lot of misinformation and simply misunderstanding concerning Pentecost and how it relates to our Christian experience. Does God still impart the Holy Spirit? And if he does, is it something that I should desire and pray for God to give me? These questions are important and should be investigated by every born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. They're relevant to your walk with the Lord. And everybody, after coming to the Lord in repentance and being baptized, you need to consider those questions. Is this something that God still does, or did he stop it like some denominations teach? Uh, today. These questions are very important and everybody needs to make up their mind amen what the true answer to those questions are. Brother Bobby made mention a lot of the stuff this morning. He was talking about how he, how he was uh, for a while still so wrapped up in tradition uh, of certain things and uh, uh, I, too, came that same path. And I, too, was, was wrapped up with a lot of different traditions. And uh, I didn't fully understand. I had some misunderstandings. And the reason why I had misunderstandings is because I had been given misinformation. Hallelujah. You can't understand something if you haven't been informed properly. Can somebody say Amen. And one reason why I began to rejoice a while ago 
And I, I said, oh, man, I'd love to be able just to keep that keyboard plumb out of my way because that Spirit of God was stirring within me because as I was worshiping and as we was worshiping, my mind went back, amen, many years ago to 1970 in Murfreesboro, Tennessee when I went up in a prayer line, amen, and the man of God laid his hands on me and I was slain in the spirit and I fell out and when I came to I was speaking in that heavenly language and when I left that place that night I knew hallelujah brother Jeff I would never be the same again that was something that my religion couldn't give me that was something that my previous teaching didn't share with me oh but I'm so glad I've got it hallelujah My, 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 my. <coughs> also, on this Pentecost Sunday, I'm not going to shame nobody. And I will not belittle nobody just because you have not yet received the baptism of the Spirit. Because I want you to know something. Because sometimes in the in Pentecostal church's history, we've been a little bit too hasty to belittle somebody and make them feel like second-class Christians. Come on. But it's not my desire nor my heart today, amen, to belittle anybody, amen, or shame anybody who have not yet received that baptism because I want you to know that God loves you just as much as he does those who has received it. Hallelujah. But what I want to make you aware of, hallelujah, on this Pentecost Sunday, that if you have not received it, hallelujah, you don't know what you have been missing. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Yes, you have felt the Spirit of God. You have shed tears. You have felt it all over you. But I'm going to tell you something. It makes a big difference after it comes on you when it goes in you. Oh, hallelujah. The Old Testament people, they had it on them. The prophets had it on them, but it wasn't the Pentecost that Jesus' spirit went in them. That makes all the difference in the world. Give him praise. Woo. Hallelujah. You don't know what you've been missing. Uh, not trying to uh, belittle her because, I mean, there's a lot of people, both male and female, who's not well, very well at cooking. And uh, my mother was one of those. And one of the reasons why you see pictures of me back before I met Darlene and after a few years after we'd been married 
the difference as I found out what some good cooking was. Before we met, it's a wonder I'm alive, really. And you're going to find out what I'm talking about when you talk about artery clogged and all that. I didn't know what good gravy was. Now, my mom, she tried to cook a lot of something like the old folks did because she'd have this lard, throw it over in a big old black skillet, and cook up fried chicken. And then after she would take the chicken out and put it on a bowl, just set it on the table, uh, she would take that skillet and she would pour all of that stuff over on top of all that, all that uh, chicken. And uh, when we passed the bowl around, we'd get a piece of chicken and we'd get a spoon, and we would dip that out and put that on our potatoes. That's all I knew gravy ever was. It's a wonder my arteries flow at all today. <laughs> but when I preached that revival for Brother Hale, first revival in October of 1970, it started on a Friday night, Uh, Sister Darlene uh, came to me, and uh, she was uh, basically the youth leader of the church back then. And she said, I, I uh, said, being the youth leader, that's what she told me, but I think she had other intentions. She said, I'd like to invite you on behalf of youth over my mom and daddy's house Sunday after church and uh, feed you, feed you dinner. I says, okay. And uh, she cooked chicken that day, but it was paprika chicken. And when they passed the gravy, I got some of that gravy that was made, which, by the way, the reason I she know, know to make it so well, her daddy taught her. And I got some of that gravy on some of them biscuits, Brother Rick. And when I tasted that, I didn't know what I'd been missing. The story speaks for itself. It got worse. So I'm telling you, church, if you have never experienced the baptism spirit, you don't know what you have been missing. You may look at the rest of us like Brother Bobby did and said we were crazy. Hallelujah. Pentecostal churches today has got a lot of people in there. It ain't just Brother Bobby, but a lot of us used to look at those Pentecostal people and thought they were crazy. Hallelujah. But until you experience it yourself, you don't know what you've been missing. Hallelujah. I've got to hurry up. I've got to go on. I want to talk about a couple things 
to share with you a little different view than maybe what we have taught on Pentecost in the past. Number one, I'm going to talk about waiting for backup. Jesus told them, he said, I want you to go and carry this message to all the world and preach it to every creature. He said, but don't go nowhere. He said, you wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Spirit. They went back to Jerusalem. And what they were doing was waiting for backup. <laughs> Listen to me now. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he left behind those he had called, chosen, and trained to carry on the work of taking the message of what they had seen and what they had heard from him around the world. Up to that time, the message of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection was only known by a handful, amen, of Jews in a small corner of the world called Palestine. Hallelujah. Nobody else in the world knew about it. Although the 11 apostles, I said 11 because if you remember, one fell. We know about Judas. The 11 apostles were trained by Christ in the art of preaching and praying. Yet all the disciples as a whole were disorganized and they lacked spiritual authority and aptitude. Hallelujah. In short, they were going to need help to carry out this great task of carrying the gospel to the world. But Jesus, everybody say, but Jesus. But Jesus already had a plan. <laughs> Glory. He was going to send them backup and reinforcements that would guarantee victory in the task. Oh, hallelujah. My Lord, he was going to send backup. How many knows that there are times in our life Amen, that we get where we get so covered up. Amen, and things get so heavy that we just simply can't handle it by ourselves. We need help. Hallelujah. We need backup. Several years ago, a friend of mine, a fellow bus driver, <coughs> his name, uh, Nick Johnson, he's retired now. And uh, he, he, he pastors the church, too. Uh, he was a, he's a, a black friend of mine, and he, he finally retired, and he's, all he's doing is pastoring his church. But he had a huge busload of children that he picked up, about uh, 72, 73 elementary kids. And he had to drive them, handle them, trying to handle all that many by himself, navigate the roads. One afternoon, he called on the radio. And he told me, he says, y'all send me Metro. Uh, I'm sitting on the side of the road right underneath the Broadley Parkway Bridge on White Creek Pike. He was headed towards the old Matthews Road area. 
and and there was so much screaming and hollering you couldn't hardly hear him talk and uh, so he called for some help later on as he was standing and talking with some of the drivers the other drivers was really ribbing him hard I mean look at here here's this guy He'd been driving a school bus for 15 plus years. And you tell me, Nick, you can't handle a bunch of elementary kids? Old Nick, he just put his hand in his pocket and looked. He said, let me tell you something. When Metro got there, <coughs> and he got off out of the squad car, and he stepped up on my bus, and he saw what was going on, he said, this Metro police officer with a gun on his hip, pepper spray on one side and a stun gun and everything else reached over and hit that button right there on his shoulder and says, dispatch, I need backup. <laughs> Hallelujah. I need backup. There are times that we need backup. And Jesus looked down through the pages of time and he knew that what we needed to do, we could not do it ourselves. That we were going to have to have some help. That we were going to have to have reinforcement. Amen. My Lord, not just to carry the gospel, but I, maybe you might be a little bit more spiritual than I do. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you what, sometimes just to get through the day, amen, keep my mind, I need backup. Hallelujah. Sometimes to keep from going crazy myself, just trying to live a life without trying to live somebody to the Lord, there are times I need backup. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We need help. Jesus had that plan, and he knew it. John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. Let's see what it says. Jesus doing the talking. He had already told them that he was going away, that he wasn't going to be with them no longer after he was crucified. And this is what he said. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Regular King James says comforter there, but it means helper. And I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit more, and I'm going to read it again, and I will pray the Father. I'm going to be gone. I'm going back. But I'm going to pray the Father, and he will give you backup. <laughs> oh, glory. Come on, somebody. I'm going to pray to the Father. He's going to send you reinforcements. He's going to give you a helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because neither sees him nor knows him. He said, but you already know who your backup is. Stop and think about this now. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. <laughs> Who was the one that had been 
with them for the previous three and a half years. <laughs> I'm so glad for the understanding that I know that way up there in heaven are not three separate thrones with three separate gods sitting up there. Hallelujah. But they're all one. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus said, and he brings it out a little bit clearer. He said, you know this backup. You know this helper because he dwells with you. He's been here with you, but will be in you. Almighty God. Hallelujah. And then he answers it plainly in verse 18. I, I, not the third person of the Godhead, but I will not leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you. Hallelujah. It's going to be me. When you got the Holy Ghost, you got Jesus inside you. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you, leave you like a bunch of orphans. Hallelujah. I will come to you. Every time Sister Darling gets ready to leave the house, and we get to go, some, get, to have, get ready to go somewhere, her little chihuahua, he senses things. He knows when we're getting ready to go. And he'll start pouting, holding his head down. And then it won't be long. You'll see tears actually coming in his eyes. And I'll pick him up. He'll lay up on my shoulder and I'll pet him. I says, poor baby doggy. Poor baby, he's pitiful. He got tears. And then they'll really start coming when he hears me say that. Because he'll pour it on in him. And I'm petting him. I say, he's got tears. I said, poor mama going to leave him and treat him like a step puppy. An orphan. But I'm glad Jesus don't, didn't leave us like step puppies. Hallelujah. He didn't leave us like orphans. He said, I'm coming with you. Listen, when you understand this, the whole Bible, Brother Bobby, falls into place. How many times have you heard some preachers trying to brag on what they can do by quoting the scripture that says, I can do this and that because Jesus said that when he went away, and he gives us a spirit that, that I can do greater things than he did. That's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not a bit what there ain't no way under the there ain't a man or woman on this planet can do anything greater than what Jesus did. Hallelujah. They can't come close. Hallelujah. When I start hearing somebody talk like that, I'm ready to go home. Why? Because I know it's a lie. I know the book. You see, 
when Jesus was on this earth, he had created a fleshly body to live in. And that body was just as natural as mine. It was a real physical body. And when Jesus was in the flesh, Jesus could not be two places at one time. He could not be in Jerusalem and Nazareth at the same time. Look through the Gospels. You'll find a lot of times he said, we, he said uh, we gotta, we're going to leave here. We're going to go over here. We're going somewhere. One time he was uh, headed one place. Remember when he met the woman at the well? He said, I must needs go through Samaria. Yeah, right. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't there at that time. But he needed to be there because he knew a woman was waiting on him. <laughs> oh, my, yes. But see, when Jesus ascended and went back into heaven, he went back in the prior state that he was in before he went away. And then when the, on the day of Pentecost, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came, he entered Peter, he entered James, he entered John, he entered his mother, Mary, because she was there at the upper room. 120 of them. He was in all 120 of them. Then, I ain't going to be able to finish this today. Hallelujah. I, I may finish it tonight. Hallelujah. But he, and then Brother Bobby, it, by the end, by the time the sun come down, he was in 3,000. That is the greater work. Jesus was limited in the flesh. He could not be more than one. But now, they, as, the, as the church spread out, he was everywhere through the church. Glory to God. What? Oh, my, 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 my. Hallelujah. I'm feeling some Holy Ghost now. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. When I'm in my house, amen, and blessed you, Jesus is there. Ladies and brother Bobby's in, amen, and grateful. He's there too. Hallelujah. I might be praying for somebody in pleasure of you. He could be praying for somebody somewhere else. But Jesus is everywhere. That is why he can do greater things if you let him live in you. Those greater works are fulfilled in you. Give him a praise. <laughs> Woo! finish it tonight. Hallelujah. More. If anybody needs prayer or needs to talk to the Lord, 